give you a report. So, on the outside, nothing's changed. I'm still as stupid as I was before. Um, <laughs> um, on the inside, there is this emptiness that you talk about. Um, different modes, as it was, like different gears in a car, for example. The car's still the car, so the emptiness is always the emptiness. But one of the gears seems to be... Um, I can't quite find it. It's, um, I've lost something's not, something not right. Where is it? You know, there's kind of a flavour of... Maybe I need to close my eyes now. Uh, maybe I need to sit down. Or maybe, you know, something's not right here. So the looking starts again, the seeking starts again for a, for a while, and then I have to. Then when I'm when I'm, after a while I become conscious and I, I call off the search because I know that the emptiness is always there. So the searching is just taking me away from it. Taking me away from it. The, the search is just what's what's going on. So then actually, it's like. <coughs> How would you reassure a dead person that everything is going to be fine? Because that space of emptiness and and yourself is the same thing. It has no reports actually. Whatever is going on in the space that we call the person's life, the body-mind play, it is felt. But more it is felt like just a, just a, as I said before, like the content, the play of the waking state, which includes the sense of a person and the person's activities and the person's experiencing or perceiving of those activities all together make one kind of a kind of hum sometimes it seems pleasant sometimes it seems maybe unpleasant we use words like that but it never can leave the presence of that dead one it's not a true thing to say dead it's not dead but it's dead in terms of it's non-reactive It's a true place. The other is the the habitual identity that we we when we have the sense of rising up, you rise up inside this identity. This is the kind of clothes you put on, and it happens so quick you don't remember getting into it. You just you rise and somehow it's that. But however fast or whatever gear that may be, however fast it may happen. It still cannot be too fast for awareness. Because the very idea of speed or whatever it is, whatever you say, can only be because awareness is prior to that, is already there. Out of the awareness it comes. And it becomes increasingly clear because the person is not really. the active ingredient anymore. It's, it's something is like you experience and everything, but not on the basis of a person. Experiencing is there, but it's not really in the name of the person, you know. 
something even answers to the name. But at the felt side of it, there is no person there, in the way that we would think of ourselves as a person. Maybe it has different meanings in different bodies, what it means by person. But generally it is implying the one who suffers, or the one who experiences, the one who – and this one is felt like it is something tangible, that it has qualities such as it's male or female, or it was you know, it has a nationality, it has a religion, it has a background, it has dreams and aspirations. So that one does not exist. I don't like to say things like this too much. I prefer that I prefer to hear them rather than to say them. That when they have passed through your own system of investigation, then the final outcome is that those utterances may come from you that That's one that felt so real. Feels like it was the only one here. Somehow, it seemed to be not real. It see not seems to be. It's seen to be not real. Another gear I find out there is sometimes I find myself and fever's not there anymore. And then I, the attention consciously abiding in itself. That, to me, that's what fever means. But sometimes the attention will just go into normal. Day-to-day activities or conversations, and then the fever isn't. I notice that the fever isn't there. Fever is not really a prerequisite for freedom. It does happen at a certain stage, where you in that changing over from being a person and and coming into presence. Often you pass through a fever state, a state where something is burning up. All your trash, all your ideas, they sort of go, in, go into a kind of fire. They come into a kind of burning, and it feels painful because also in this fire is your idea of yourself, and that feels painful. That that is that is not enjoying the projection it wants to enjoy. You know. It feels the fire like you know. I didn't. I didn't sign up for a fire. I want. To, I want peace. I don't want to be in this miserable state. So that's got to keep burning somehow. But you see, it's the mind is still there to tell you, okay. You, so you got your fire. And it's finished now. Now what? You see, now you don't feel the fire, and still you're not awake. And who is it speaking to? You see. Spending too much attention, importance, out of habit, continues to feed, even drip feed, into the mind and into the sense of a person. So it's it's it just carries on. The minute you say sometimes, you know, to be without waiting. But don't go to sleep. Some restlessness comes inside. Like that's the only two modes you can be in. Either you you're moving to the next scene, or you just go to sleep, or feel bored or something. 
But what is that which is not any feeling? No, no. It's not in the reading, it's not in the feeling. It doesn't know about waiting. It, has no, it doesn't have anything like patience. It doesn't pertain to that patience or impatience. It cannot be seen with the eyes or with effort or visualization. Imagination cannot reach it. Study cannot discover it. Today I found myself saying again, the whole human thing, the whole thing, the human being, human being thing, it doesn't work. It's never worked. The human being thing doesn't work. The only time it stands a chance is when it meets the heart. It goes inside. It puts its head, the head to the floor of the heart or something. And then it may stand a chance. But by itself, as a concept unto itself, it doesn't work. Because the person is always selfish and myopic and narrow, a narrow form of consciousness. But being with you these two years, it feels like the it's always seen when the person is there. You know, there's no unconsciousness about it. It's so apparent. Yes. Sometimes, though, it feels unconscious. In even we were having our kitchen meeting today, even the way we take food from the server, and we have to share it with everybody. You know, the person comes in there in small little ways. You know, because it's like me first. It comes in, but you're conscious of it. You know? I don't know for sure. I don't know for sure if always I'm conscious. You know. And if always everybody's action is conscious, because if you go bring it right down to the micro, there initially has to be some deliberate intention uh, to to observe these things, yeah. because it's easier to stay in the in the groove, to stay in the mold. I was saying to Jerome today, you stay only in the mold, you become mouldy, meaning you are not fresh, nothing fresh, and without thinking. It can just seem that, uh, like a sort of reflex, which has very no, nothing to do with effort. Again, the the consciousness takes the shape of the person. This is uh, then I would want to look again and say, is is the person a problem? D does it automatically mean if there's a sense of person, means that you're not the consciousness? I say not at all. Persons just like a sort of like a. They are most accustomed to hypnosis. There's no swinging gem happening in front of you, particularly. So accustomed to, you know, thinking in terms of I, but I being me. The me which is mine. So can I have some clear feedback on what I've just said? I've got another two weeks here with you at least, mm -hmm. and um, I really want to make sure I'm That's what I'm saying. If I shot you between the eyes, 
what are you going to tell me? <laughs> Perun, are you okay? <laughs> you say that there is a nothingness, some emptiness. Emptiness is there. And we know that there is a sense of somethingness, but it's only a sense now, because you've fallen inside yourself now. When we talk about this raindrop falling to the ocean, when it meets the ocean, can it come back and talk about this meeting with a, a lovely meeting with the ocean? And the same thing is like this 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 emptiness thing. But it seems like yes, the, the sense of the person, the sense of an eye is still there that knows this emptiness. It visits there. And it's quite happy if we can get a season ticket to be there. I can go in any time I want to come out. But even in the apparent going in and coming out or changing gears or so on, these are shadow shadow feelings when compared to the great vastness. They are so momentary, so unreliable, so insubstantial. So why would they why would they drain so much energy? Why would they take so much energy? Because there's still yes, it is true that even after the first major crisis of seeing that opened up into seeing, still some person senses there continue drifting in and out for a while. This is normal, natural and unavoidable to some extent. It plays like this. But more you are being called back, pay attention to this. Be more here in here. You know? So this is where the effort is there. You know, the attention tends to want to go again to the to the diverse actions and the activities and so on. And the voice reminds you, don't get entangled in all of that. Just be here in the emptiness. Don't become a recluse or something. Just acknowledge the already emptiness of this there. Then how would it be that there was something that would be be raised up to start negotiating with something, and that becomes meaningful? It must be because there's still some bite, some charge is still left. The battery is not empty. There's still some charge that goes there, but that is okay also, and natural. And that the sense of iness. Uh, continues, hmm. but it, now it never leaves the awareness. There's a, there's an underlying awareness that uh, there's a, still the movement of attention to go to the right or to the left or something. But now there isn't, or should not be, anyone there for that to matter so much. You know. So now my mind is telling me this. I said, "What? I'm telling who this now?" Uh, you must clarify this over and over again. You see. Otherwise, you pick up yourself again, so to speak, and then and then think that you have to now have to deal with something that is important. Now, this is very subtle things because you will still continue to have to do work or or, or things that happen naturally, but behind the scenes, you are not really engaged with them in your heart, not deeply. 
they are just the play of life, like somehow the the clouds pass, the bird sings, the rain falls, whatever it is. Hunger comes, tiredness comes, thought arises, response takes place, actions are happening, reactions are happening, interactions are happening. But none can erase or affect that underlying it's like a solid emptiness. It's there. I don't know it will make sense or connect with people to say that it is the support of the apparent movements of things. Because that may not be your true truthful experience. Just that that is there. And and the movement seems also to be there. And the movements we know because they they're they're written inside our system somehow. So they're kind of like known. But you are to abide or keep the attention upon that unchangingness. That unchangingness. And something feels like it divides and you become another action, another hero, another movement, then you are to question that, you know. Because something wants to act with that name in that costume to go out and say, Yes, me, you know, it's fine and infuse passion. Passion comes up and and then comes this kind of delusion or distraction or something, and then that becomes real. When a person enters into such states, it is not easy to speak to them and say, stay as the awareness. It is as though, like, you know, okay, it becomes ir- irritable for them, because now the energies want to pay attention to this, to the activities of the mind. And you feel that. You will feel it is difficult to say to you, don't touch that, stay as the awareness. Or it may seem like you may say that with your mouth, but you feel it's not going in because you're you're otherwise engaged or something. You see, so this is why it requires some practice to stay consciously focused. In in a sense, it shouldn't go on for very long because each time uh, the 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 I me falls away, the joy arising out of the absence of that egoic I really pushes you into. You fall in love so quickly with the with the being, and once that has happened, then not much assistance is needed. That's why I say, when you are in love, no one has to remind you. Remember your beloved. It's not you are just your. The fascination is there for you. So then, when I see that, I say, okay, first, don't go out for a while. Don't go out on your honeymoon night. Stay home, no. The wedding is for everybody. The honeymoon is for you. Stay home. Be quiet. Mm-hmm. And there's a sense that the that the honeymoon is there between each thought. It's always been there between each thought. It's much clearer mm. as soon as the thought melts. I said to you the other day. It was maybe it may have been yesterday. I'm not good for remembering. I said, that which is there in between two thoughts hmm, is also there during thought. But if you can somehow be aware, or in, in between two thoughts, somehow, yes, that which is not a thought. But then I say, it is also there during thought. Because what happens is something, yeah. seek, something <coughs> seems to want to look at the gap between the thoughts, but even. That even that's not really genuine because it's there all the time. So 
Actually, the action of being aware of that is there, but then the habit to say that something wants to do that and invent this illusory doer of that action is not needed. Simply the intelligence of the being acknowledges this. There's a grace between each thought, basically. Mm. But then, also, from what you say, and is the truth that it is there in every thought as well. But to fall in love with with everything that deeply, so you know the, the sky. I love the sky, but to fall in love with the clouds as well. Both of them, because the sky is always there, when the clouds are there or not. So. So you be the sky. You be be the sky, which is not something difficult because it's not something you're going to do. So you be the sky. And then it doesn't matter whether today there's clouds, whether there are dark clouds or bright clouds or rainbows or sunsets or anything like this. This is the sky is not bothered about this. All of it it includes. It it encompasses all these different changeful effects they are there. But but it cannot be measured by those changes. It is just a constant. So that constant is yourself. That constancy is yourself. Once it is deeply known, all this responsibility drops away. The responsibility to be. The psychological self, basically. That's one thing that occurs to me. Is basically this is the dropping of the psychological self is yeah. back. Yeah. In, in fact, don't don't think that you drop it. It drops, no. In the nature of things, is that when you see, I can't drop it. It's yes. Something grace drops it. Something happens. Yeah. You know. Yes. Don't touch that I either, to say I can't drop it, because the minute you touch the I, I can't drop it. Then you become that I, who can't drop it. What I'm saying is I can't, mm. can't take credit for it, for it. Yeah. But when you say this again, who are you placing yourself to be in that moment? Slow down. Let's slow down a bit, because we all do it, no? I think I'm saying that just because of language. But then I can't take it at the level. I I am too much scrutinizing, you know, to sort of like to to flick out the fleas out of it. So when you say that, I have to check in whether it is just a question of language or whether there is something in that still. I think there's probably two things. One is it's a question of language, but the second is even now when I talk to people, the I, I have to refer to the old person as being I. I still have to. Have yeah. Yes. Me too. No problem with that. Yeah, so for that reason, I think. Mm. Um, and does that does carry a bit of a smell with it? That's for sure. Um, mm. But that's just there, so it's okay. Mm. As I said, it's a dead man's night out. <laughs> it's a dead man's night out. Where will you go? Just really hold that. At the stage, it really seems it's a it's a dead man's ghost stories.
there is something that just really has to to cook itself it has to just be get cooked somehow and it is in the pot it is in the pot even as you sleep it is in the pot at one moment you're not able to find that old reference it has no bite still something continues to say yes uh, it was uh, that was last year in february wasn't it yes yeah, very good i remember it well but inside behind the scene uh, who said that nobody's there you you you've checked in and it is that it have the sense that I say I there is also the sense mm. that actually emptiness isn't that accurate for it actually because in my mind you know, the instructions coming remain empty whenever a thought comes remain empty and goes back into that but but the mind seems to, to, to kind of take hold of empty oh some empty it's more remain as you are is it seems more accurate rather than remain empty because then even with it even remaining empty there's an intention to hold on to the, the mm. But to say remain as you are is to already imply that you know how you are and what you are. It it, it can be different things. We're smart enough to know that the words by themselves can't do it, but you get the words and the clue and the intelligence finish off the rest of it. It it just closes the door on it. You see it, of course, no word will do. I was also saying that there's no word, and I don't think any, I don't think any great master or saint actually can, could convey that because it's not in the word only. But uh, the words that are arising from it, they have an special, they have some some grace or some energy because they arise from that. They're not just coming from a human brain or something. It's coming from that space. So they have a a power, I would say. In the way that someone merely just parroting something would not convince your heart of it, and that's a sensitivity that is unfolding inside also that energetically you're listening energetically is very different from just listening from the position of a certain person or something. Hmm. I had a dream once where um I was um Walking across these rooftops in India, because lots of rooftops you can, and for some reason I keep walking from one to another rooftop, and then another just little jump on another rooftop, and then I wanted to come down from the roofs, and so I found a, a ladder going down these typical Indian bamboo ladders. So you know, I, I sort of was coming down back backwards, coming down like this. I came down into a space. Which was like uh, like a room with no roof. Well, it's open, so I came down in that space, and Ramana was sitting there in the space, eating. It was on the floor, just like you see him in these photographs. He was just in the corner alone and eating, eating this food. This. So, as I stepped down into this space, I get off the ladder, and I recognized him. So. 
And uh, the feeling was totally exquisite feeling, <coughs> because it was immediately present that I could say anything to him, even profane things, and it really wouldn't matter at all. There was such a freedom. It's like you can say anything at all, you know. You can say anything, and it wouldn't matter. It wouldn't be upset. It wouldn't be kind of how could you speak like that? Uh, how could you let yourself down or something? How could you, you know, you know your intelligence or you know why are you speaking like nothing at all? There was just this presence which was sort of warm. He wasn't smiling. It was just that sweet uh, detachment. But in that was communicated. Uh, there was nothing to offend, and nothing to praise even. But the thought came, you know, but I can say anything to him, you know. And actually, I could do also anything. I could do anything. And I don't know. Maybe my mind needed to have this feeling. It needs to have. But it was such a beautiful feeling. You see. And in fact, I was in. This was some years ago. I was in London, and Zenji was there. And um, and I came in and I told him this dream. You see, <laughs> and he said, "That's how I feel with you." <laughs> I said, "Really? This is very good. <laughs> if you have this feeling, because it was a wonderful feeling for me. That." Uh, Perhaps on some unconscious level, we are wanting to meet like that, to encounter an encounter which really does not have any judgment in it. You could say or do anything. Why? Because you know it's not you also. But even though we know it's not us, we get judged on it just the same way. You see, and so there is. A great freedom when you feel like nothing that you can do or not do or say or not say can give offence to this one. Then, when that registers inside your being somehow, like you have total permission to be in total chaos, to be a total monkey, to you know to 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 show off, but it just would not impress anyone. Yes, <laughs> and then somehow arising out of that was a tremendous sort of respect and love. So maybe something needed to feel the freedom to be able to express like this, and then it's finished. It's finished. All that remains is that glow, that warmth inside your heart. But that's about as much as I that dreams of Papaji or whatever. No. But I don't care to remember dreams. You know, if you say what happened, I had a dream, so and so really okay. I would not really feel any significance in what what kind of dream it was. Or maybe once in a while, something may pop up. But there are of course people who tell you. 
very regularly I had a dream about you or I had a dream this thing happened and we were going this place or something and uh, sometimes I tell them just forget about it because they want to hold on to something like that and I say just let go and forget about it forget about yourself also such a wonderful opportunity because if you are subtracted from you somehow you are left somehow <laughs> but 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 without that addition you know since i've been here i've been like looking 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 that which you point to behind the eyes, uh, inside today, and I saw one of your quotes. Um, you know, like, if what if, if what is sought is found, are you there? What is? If what is sought is found, are yeah. you there? Yes. And I mean that made something to me stop looking, and I mean that brought some relief and some peace in a way because there's, there's like nothing to look for almost there. I mean, yeah. Because something's found, then you still gotta look. You know, there's, I guess it's just constant looking at that point. It appears. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, I mean, it's just there's nothing, you know. Um, but then that kind of goes. Does that go against though the pointing of looking? You know, that you point point us to. <laughs> looking cannot really be um, a sort of practice. At least it has to become a joy, you see, and then you will not give it the title of practice anymore. If it is a joy, if it relaxes back into a sort of a, a joy, looking and looking means looking means what? Because sometimes when we speak like this, I feel like you know, actually, we just need uh, to go back to some very some fundamental meanings again that we are talking about the same thing. But looking. Is what for? What are we looking for? Is looking just pushed upon us that as long as you're awake and conscious there, you are compelled to look? Is it that wherever, we, whenever there's consciousness, then you're on duty, you're on call, meaning that you're in gear. There must be some gear. You cannot be. Is that the natural resting place of the waking state consciousness? Must it be always up to something, some calculation, some trade, some compromise, some something? Is there any space for just that state of neutrality where it is not uh, the the senses are functioning somehow, but it's almost that they have no driver as a person. They're not. They're not. You're not seeing things for you. That it's just kind of like seeing. There's nothing really to report. In fact, this is going on all the time. Just imagine if everything that you saw, you had to register. I mean, you'd be completely burnt out. So of course, there's a large part part of what is perceived at a just as a a mechanical perception. Uh, doesn't register at all. You don't bring it in. You don't purchase anything. And that's a great freedom in space there already. 
that we have the ability somehow to sense without shopping, without purchasing. So you can look at anything in minute detail, but you don't bring it in, you don't create a relationship. None needs to happen. So in a way you relate, but not there's no relationship that are held as a sort of this thing happened and this has meaning. But so this is true also for the insights in the seas, because they uh, an insight just happens or a seeing happens, mm. and then the person grabs it, and now the problem begins. Well, the person may insight. grab it, but then that is also seen. It's when when you when the the person is now going to live this seeing. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Where you you're not. Supposing you're walking down a road and uh, you're just walking next to someone, and then suddenly they start to collapse. No, but somebody you don't know. You're in the marketplace, and suddenly you catch them for a minute. You see, and they're going down, and you lay them down. People start looking and say, "Are you all right?" And you say, "Yes, it's fine, it's fine." And okay. Somebody came and said, "Oh, it's okay. It's fine now." This person I know, and I'll take care of them. Whatever. So you walk on, and then a thought comes: You did really good. Hmm? You were really, you really earned your start today. Very good. Hmm? And something inside feels: I don't like this. I don't, I don't want to be feeling like that. I don't want to be thinking like that. Hmm? Will you turn your attention away from this? From acts like this, responses like this, because you can't bear what the mind says about it. You may feel discomfort because you may say your mind or your ego or some thought come and say, "Haha, you know," and you you really did well there. Everybody saw you. Or, you know, next time you walk down here, people are going to say, "Hey, you're the guy who saved that lady the other day. Very well done," or something. And something inside. Kinda loves that, likes that, but also feels so tiny for that. Then what is going to happen? Then will you send a message inside your being to say, you know what? It's best don't even help people. Just stay away. Because then my mind won't trouble me. Or you get used to the fact that uh, something behaves like that, but the action in itself is pure. But then the commentator or something comes in as another action and wants to kind of write a credit note for it or something. So all this is seen. So how are you going to escape this? Well, in a way it's almost already too late for the reaction, because it's something that's programmed inside that happens like that. Only through something like maybe inquiry, where you're able to, to, to feel these uh, feelings, but at the same time, to know that they are just uh, somehow the behavior of the of the life force as mind and conditioning is playing out. If someone said to you, "You have to stop thinking like that," what are you going to do? 
did you think like that or that those thoughts came and somehow you see you how are you going to escape this unless you really are kind about it and just say you know what I, this is just life is like that and even use these unpleasant experiences to help to to come home to 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 the real When people say that my mind take hold of it, I want to say, well, so what? So what if the mind take hold of it? Why should it matter what the mind does? Is there not a difference? You see, in a way it is good, because if mind take hold of something, and then if it is just, if, my, if mind, whatever mind means for you, has that power to just step in, in your most intimate moment, just, <coughs> I'm here. End of, end of. You're talking to God, Lord. Hey, I'm here. You know, I'm doing so good. I can talk to the Lord. You know. So, what are you gonna do? Who are you? Where are you? So these things, in a way, they force you to to go out of this plane of. <coughs> Of living, of relating somehow. This is why I keep using it. You have to be the cow to jump over the moon. Because you want to dare, you want to fight the mind. You can't beat the mind. This is its territory, its game, in a way. But you are not that. And it cannot be without you. But you can be without it. But it cannot be without you. You have to contemplate this thing and say, what is this? If this is true, I can be without this kind of psychological personality, but it has no reality independent of me, the one who perceives it. Then you must contemplate what does this mean? It doesn't matter what the mind says. You are going to come to this place. It doesn't matter what the mind says. At the moment, it seems to matter what the mind says, because you want to have a good mind. You want to have a spiritual mind. A nice mind, and you are in your mind walking to heaven together. <laughs> well, it may be not going to happen. You maybe have to leave him. <laughs> and mostly we are talking about the conduct of our mind. The mind is no such thing as mind by itself. Mind has no life by itself. It somehow is borrowing from the energy. There's some kind of force. I said before that in our country, we call the mind. In this, in this aspect, we call it like a spirit, like a spirit being, in a way. We don't just call it thought. Each culture has its own relationship to that. But we kind of feel like you know, it's kind of like a spirit being. And it somehow seems like it's working to create duality in you, to sustain duality in you, to keep you in that relationship of duality, so that you will never meet your own your unicity and be one. Because the moment you are you are you are again your eyes are clear to your own self the mind has not that power so it seems as though its sole job is to keep you uh, split so then your power is halved or or broken and so in a sense you're just dreaming your existence but at some point as you come into this seeing by whatever road but you're coming into genuinely 
into that recognition. But but I'm not the thing I've been functioning as. When I'm functioning as a thing, mine has tremendous influence over that thing. But I'm not the thing. This is this kind of construct. When that begins to dawn inside, then what the mind says or doesn't say will not affect you so deeply. You'll be able to use mind for practical functioning, but you'll not call him, hmm? because it's not appropriate. His presence is not appropriate here. You see. And actually, we are constantly creating the mind. They said the mind is a creative power, a creative power. But we are also creating the mind. Every time you say, My mind is like that, you create that power and give it to what the thing you call the mind. It doesn't have that power. It has your power. You see? But there are other ways of saying this. Because if you say the mind has our power, or you know, cannot exist without. Then it seems like that we are also responsible for, for what it is, for what it brings. Um, but this is made not uh, by a person, but by the whole society and whole mm. of what you hear and what you know. What comes into the system uh, since childhood and since yes. all this. Yes. You know, the point I'm trying to make about this is that. The mind does not have power by itself alone. Yes. Um, you are going to learn that it is what you take it to be. It will become whatever you take it to be. It will be that for you. You see, until we know this, it will seem to have an independent power, because it's like you, as a one unit, have to work through a jungle of the collective consciousness of all the people around you. You understand? How are you going to take that on? Because it's actually inside you as well, too. So how are you going to get that? Cow to jump over the moon. How are you going to be the cow to jump over the moon? Something is pushing you that your answer is not in the story, actually. Your answer is not in the story. It's not in the story. <laughs> You are not in the story. It's just a kind of self-portrait is in the story. But you see, it's not easy for this to work as a teaching. You see, because if you as a teaching, then the man will be a learner, will be a student. But it's a, it's a, it's pointing to something. Which is not part of the interrelated dualistic functioning. It's not part. It's outside of that. It's not touched by any concept, any practice, any word, any identity. It does not trouble it. But until it is only self-aware, it until that time it is playing as being aware of itself as a person. And this is how the the, the trouble is experienced. You may say. And yet, that that trouble is also part of its own journey into space-time, which it creates in order to have uh, the taste of experiencing, because it has to play the game that it creates in order to return again to its own 
wholeness of, of recognition. You see. Bottom line, nothing. Bottom line, nothing. Final word, nothing. First word, nothing. Middle word, nothing. And yet, it cannot just be left like that. It depends on who, to whom the conversing is taking place, with whom it is taking place. Because for one to say is nothing, I go, oh my God, you know, it's like, you know. I just cannot. I cannot somehow. I cannot integrate these words inside myself. For another one, if you say bottom line, nothing. Poof, finish. So there is no such teacher who, relying upon their own experience based upon identity, can know what each student needs. It cannot come from experience. It must come from intuition. It must come from well, intuition is fresher than experience. Experience is already past it's only old. Intuition will surprise the one through whose mouth the words come or the the actions come. No, not this type of talking. No, no, not this type. No. no. Whenever we are speaking solely on the basis of person, I call it a waste of time myself. I have nothing public to say about that, but I feel you give me the right to say that to you. I don't have any right to go to somebody I have no my business to go and disturb people. Who enjoy that play? It's fine. It's a fine play of consciousness. Let it go on. You know, it's been going on for millions of years. Who am I to try and stop it? It's fine. But because somehow you come and you say such a thing, I feel you give me permission to say to you, I think that's a waste of time. For what you came saying, that I want to go beyond all of this. I have not been able to trust any part of this. It just doesn't work on that way. And now there's only a longing somehow that is born inside my heart just to be free of the influence of that psychological <coughs> mind, to, to liberate myself from the hypnosis of my conditioning and uh, identity. And is there a way that, that this is possible? I said, let's talk about it. Let's take a look. Let's take a look. It seems the mind then just grabs everything to say and gets stronger and stronger. It can do. You know, is that the consciousness is functioning through this body and this, what you may call this orientation, which is in a way oriented towards bhakti. Okay? To speak jnana. And then it orientates that which one is, is orientated towards jnana to speak bhakti. <laughs> this is its roundedness, meaning uh, something here is totally. Sometimes I think, my God, why am I speaking like this? <laughs> I only love God, and I'm only. Uh, 
sitting in the lap of God today, you know. And yet, I can I can speak this. It's like uh, my tongue goes quickly to this. To say, don't touch that. Don't worry about that. How can you be this? You know. Why are you looking at this outside? What is God? 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 You know. Okay, forget about God. Who are you? Who see God like this? And yet, I am sitting in God. And then, one who probably has a more natural philosophical um, predisposition or whatever, because. To say forget about everything for me is pure love. I tell you, forget about everything. You know, you're just not going to get it. Just drop it. That for me is love. Because love does not want to see you suffer. And the more we talk and go into these different channels of the mind, I say, it's kind of suffering. Yeah. Drop it. Can you? Then you'll find immediately love. And this love is not a sentimental love. Really, it's it's pregnant with wisdom and everything. It's both jnana yoga, bhakti yoga together, karma yoga, everything together. How could you put that in a capsule? Be dead, but fully alive. What it means: actions, reactions, talking, not talking, doing, not doing. All these things are going on. But they are going on. I am not behind them turning the wheel. I am not the early gurdy man. I am just here watching somehow. When it, when it arises in me the care the care to watch even. I'm not on watch. But the senses are functioning sometimes take a look at what they're going on in there. Okay. They seem to be doing fine on their own. I don't need any help. <laughs> but there's a joy in almost everything. Even the sadness and the seeming tensions, which still come from the, the remnants, the activity of the sense of the person who is a side of conditioning that arose inside here. It's like it's 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 been it's been it's been neutralized somehow. And the thing that neutralizes the the antidote for that poison is the removal of this I me feeling, which is always sort of like stepping into the gap, so to speak. But then now it doesn't mean anything. Step in the gap, step out the gap don't mean anything at all. This is why I say the most significant victory over the mind is when it becomes insignificant for you. Whatever he has to say is like it's Yes, practical things, of course. Mine is not just evil or something. It arises from the same source. And it is brilliant. It is the shining light of consciousness also. But when you take, uh, you baptize yourself into the identity of being a person, then mine also is there with you to say, I'm going to screw you up. I'm going to keep throwing banana skins in front of you. And in a funny way, you can either keep slipping and blaming the mind and go, the mind is the devil, is the devil. Or you can say, actually, thank you to the devil, because you helped me to find the God. You just sit and think, there's one part of life that's no good. It's only bad. 
Or you can say, actually, there's one part of life that really burns and bites, but this is my fiercest teacher. And where I might have taken a year or two to learn something, in ten seconds he's blasted me home. Such a th- teacher, few say thank you. You see, so you can use everything that happened. It becomes a mirror to your own seeing. You just left somehow. Something is taken off. You just left. Uh, just I don't know. There's a time when this maybe is not good. If you want the world and you have this, is not good somehow. It's going to screw you up. But if you desire only this, then it won't matter the rest. You will see things and understand things most human beings in the world will never see. Maybe not in this lifetime, maybe another lifetime. Each one the fruit comes ripe on the tree. Even on the same tree they are ripening at different times. But yours will be the kingdom of God. The satsangs themselves are are somehow scraping you out, scooping you out from inside. Emptiness is inside now, but the facade is left, you know. Mm-hmm. So you look like you, as people remember, but inside there is no you. There is only the emptiness, the space. And it's not just like, you know, inert. It's not inert. This is the thing. If it was inert, then. What a terrible game! Inert means, uh, well, sterile, dead, nothing. There's nothing there. It's just like dead space. If it was that was there after all of this, oh, that would be dreadful. It would indeed be very dreadful. Bottom line, inert. Not even stuck. Just dead. He's stuck in some life, you know, some wriggling. So it cannot be that. This emptiness, this nothingness cannot be that. The yogis are giving up bliss for this. So we give up even bliss for this. To pass it on. Some say, Oh, you're giving up bliss? I'll have to. They take all the bliss you want. <laughs> and it's not a thought. It's not the yogis have a really ultimate thought. It's not a thought. It was never a thought. It has been thought about, but it is not a thought. But the bliss is very good. The bliss inside. 
a plastic flower and a real flower may look the same at a certain distance. There's a shop in Brixton that sells beautiful plastic flowers. They are so lifelike, oh my God. Look at that rose. I mean, it's, huh? But there is a big difference. Some people prefer the plastic rose because you you never have to water it. You know. And you can have it ten years, you know, and just wash him now and again. Dust him now and again, he's there. The rose doesn't have that. Doesn't have that longevity, but it has that fragrance. So the bliss is your fragrance. That intuitiveness, that wisdom, is your perfume. But a flower, nobody can find. Say the form you call Jesus or the Buddha or the Krishna, they are only the confetti of the being. Through their presence, you could know that which cannot be known. You can smell that which cannot be touched. And they somehow trigger a tremendous inspiration to set you on fire. So that what you love in them, you find in yourself as your own self. If these beings did not show up in life, this whole human consciousness will just be a dead library. But they spoke living words that come from the living truth. Their ministry did not have to be long. It could have been a week or two, but the light cannot go out. See, I tell you, every time I speak like this, I tell you the angels are happy. I say like this because they come. You see, they come like that. <laughs> How should I talk like that? <laughs> it's just my poetic way of saying. The angels have come. They are dancing inside your being. It's like all your cells become alive with this, with this, this Alleluia inside your being. Something just is like that. And then at such moments, I find it's easy to say, "Don't be worried. Don't be afraid. Don't." Don't work too hard. It's not about that. It's just keep recognizing that yes inside your heart. Confirm yourself. In it. I don't know. But it really has, in some way. Mm, it is available everywhere to itself, but at the same time, 
it's not made itself too easy. And this is the this is the majesty of it. Uh, it is free, but it's not cheap. It's almost that you've got to earn yourself. If you can use expressions like that. For a time, sometimes you feel that there is a you, and it is you, and you are the special one. It's your chosen, and so on. We go through that stage, and then every time you try, sometimes you feel the, the, that angelic presence, and it's, it's powerful. And then this you wants to use it, and every time this you arises to use it, you know. Big custard pie in the face happens, and then it is so painful that quickly, quickly you burn it up. It burns up itself because when you are in the search for truth, your mistakes are double painful. You see, in the old regime, the whole way, you can just keep one after another, after another, after another, so to speak, as long as you have a sense of yourself. As long as you have the sense of yourself. These mistakes will feel like this. You feel that like you want to be the doer, but then you fall flat on your face. But it's an education, and something is trust, asking you to trust and let go from inside. And so your your failings become very very loud. Your selfishness becomes very, very exposed and very painful. So that the quicker you let them go, because each time the, the taste is so bitter, you know you don't want to taste that again. You know, I had one friend of mine. He passed away now. He was sick in hospital, and they gave him these drips. I don't know if it was what sort of drip it was. And uh, he was there, and he felt it wasn't going in quick enough. And so, in his, in his, on his own, he put this little pinprick into the bag, and some air came into the solution, it came into his, into his veins. And I hear it's never happened for me. I don't know. And that is probably one of the most painful things you're going to experience. So he was, and he was a tough guy. He was an ex-boxer, you know, tough, Scottish. <laughs> but he was crying like a baby. And when the nurse came in and saw him, she knew exactly what had happened <laughs> because she had told him before, "Relax, it's okay. Leave it alone." And now he tasted it now. She said to him, "Well, you won't be doing that again." <laughs> and he went. <laughs> That's it. Some of your lessons feel like that. You just simple things also. It may arise as a kind of shame or some something, but you see something backs off big time because you you're in such a speeded up. This is why I say that something may have taken you five or six years to process, and in your satsang. It will be maybe a few days. It can happen. It could be 
a few moments actually and it is enough to turn you inside out you have finished it no this is good all this you ask for it just forgot